The Senate is set to consider legislation that could ultimately cost Christians their freedom. We'll tell you what you can do about it. And with worries about terrorist threats to the homeland, two filmmakers will share what the West needs to know about Islam. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. These people have sworn allegiance to the very same man who ordered the attack on September the 11th, 2001, Osama bin Laden. And they want us to leave parts of the world, like Iraq, so they can establish a safe haven from which to spread their poisonous ideology. That's why President Bush does not want to pull our troops from Iraq, as uh, the United States Senate is talking about. President Bush has got to respond now. There's a new intelligence report out. This report says al-Qaeda will likely attack us on U.S. soil, something we really already knew, but uh, we need to be reminded of here and there. We're again reminded. Uh, As a matter of fact, former Homeland Security Secretary Tom Ridge, responding also to this report, says al-Qaeda's top goal is to strike the United States again. In the foreseeable future, we need to understand that we are the most visible uh, target and probably the highest priority on their list. The report lays out a range of dangers from al-Qaeda to Lebanese Hezbollah to non-Muslim radical groups that pose a persistent and evolving threat, it says, to the country over the next three years. As expected, though, the findings focus most of their attention on the gravest terror problem Osama bin Laden's al-Qaeda network, the same group that attacked us uh, attacked us on 9-11. Well, uh, let's also go to Robert Strang. He is a terrorism expert, CEO of Investigative Management Group. He says the U.S. has to deal with small cells as well as al-Qaeda. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they are. We don't know when they're going to attack. So from a security perspective, we're like walking through a landmine while waiting for a bomb to drop. Thank you for joining us today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Penna Dexter, sitting in, as I have been lately, for Dr. Jerry Johnson. And uh, this latest intelligence, uh, intelligence report is disturbing. It heightens the urgency, really the need, that we understand what is behind these terror attacks. And later in the program, we're going to talk about a new movie out uh, that really teaches us about Islam, what the West needs to know about Islam. Two movie makers will join us. Also, uh, we're going to talk some politics later in the program, some Louisiana politics. That state passed a bill banning partial birth abortion. That's great. A lot of other states probably will pass those now that the Supreme Court has ruled on it. But there's also some problems there for the conservatives, the pro-lifers. 
because they've got a senator there. He's a conservative, but he's got a problem, a moral problem. And we're going to talk about it. He says he's repented, but is this a problem politically for him? And, uh, of course, we're talking about Senator David Vitter. That will be later in the program. Also, the clock is ticking away on the vote on the hate crimes legislation. And the word is that two Texas senators, our two senators, Cornyn and Hutchison, are actually undecided on this. And the effort here is to attach it to a defense authorization bill. Kelly Shackelford from the Free Market Foundation is with me to discuss this. Tell us what's coming. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining me. Oh, happy to do so, Penna. Kelly, I know that uh, this week the Senate will vote on attaching this hate crimes language to the uh, Senate or to the defense authorization bill. When do you think it'll happen? Well, there, there, the general thought is probably later tonight uh, the vote could occur. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, what's happening is there's, there's, I think there were originally over 200 amendments being offered, and, and this is an end run. Uh, they were trying to get this bill through all by itself, and the president had promised that he would veto it. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to force it down the throats of everybody by attaching it to you know, the support for our troops and thinking, well, the president wouldn't veto that. So it really is kind of underhanded what they're trying to do um, and, and, and trying to force a bill that is, I think, when people understand it, realize it's, it's a horrible idea and would be really a direct attack on religious freedom, on the church, uh, and get the government into all kinds of thought police stuff that uh, we do not want them into. Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, Kelly, I want to know a little bit about the politics here, because you said it's an end run. And anytime you attach anything to um, funding our troops, uh, you are trying to play with sort of play politics with the war here. Uh, What will President Bush do if the if the Senate ends up attaching this? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, he, he has promised to veto it, uh, but of course, you know, he could say that that was if it was a separate bill. Uh, would he have the, you know, uh, nerve to, to veto it and say, send me back a, a support for our troops, which doesn't have, uh, you know, this bad attachment? Uh, you know, uh, anybody's, anybody's guess on that, but uh, it's dangerous because of what they're trying to do. And, and one of the surprising things, Penna, to me is, you know uh, that our senators haven't, you know, publicly stated their commission at, or their position at least as of yesterday. Surprises uh, me too. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a little surprised and it's a little scary because uh, where they're trying to go with this. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it happen in the other states. We've well, we've seen it in Sweden and in Canada and and in the Philadelphia. Uh, you know, with with the individuals once they pass these things, uh, the attack upon religious freedom and on the church and on pastors and. And on regular citizens, uh, it follows directly, and uh, and so hopefully we won't bring something like that, you know, to our country through this hate crimes law. But that's that's very likely what what we're going to end up with here, at least out of the Senate, um, very soon. We've been talking about this, but in case someone has missed it, uh, the House of Representatives already passed the Matthew Shepard Local Law Enforcement Hate Crimes Prevention Act. And is that what this is called? I mean, do they call this amendment that name, Kelly, or is yes. it just, okay, so well, Matthew... that's what they're referencing it as, yes. So Matthew Shepard, of course, uh, most people know, was a homosexual young man that was brutally murdered. But it was, first of all, this is inaptly named because this was not ruled a hate crime, was it? N- no, I mean, it wasn't for that reason. Uh, so, uh... 
So, you know, it's it, as usual, you know, it's it's all about, you know, deception, misdirection and and trying to get sympathy uh when it's it's completely it's even the wrong name, the wrong situation for what they allegedly are after. Okay, a couple of major problems. We talked about the problem with Muslim Christians, but what about just elevating homosexuality to some kind of a status where it's protected and acknowledging, that's really acknowledging homosexuality is somehow equal to something that's unchangeable in a person. Yeah, and, and one of the things people don't realize is, is it's also transgenderism. I mean, we're taking mm-hmm. all kinds of, uh, of issues here and we're elevating them with a special class. I mean, one of the examples I look at is is um, if you're in this class, if you're in this special homosexual class, then then you get extra protection from the same laws. Whereas if, let's say, uh, uh, the crime was against your 94-year-old grandmother, um, she gets less protection than the homosexual or the lesbian or the transgender, uh, you know, person. So it's it puts people, citizens, in separate classes, treats them differently, provides more protection to one class than another, uh, in addition, as you say, to the thought police problem, to the religious freedom problem. I mean, it's just a horrible idea. Okay, a lot of people are saying, well, this only applies to violent crime, but there was actually a question asked uh, when they were debating this in the House about if a preacher were to denounce the act of homosexuality as a sin, somebody hears this and then goes out and commits a violent crime, and that is not far-fetched towards a homosexual, then could the pastor be charged with inciting violence? And the experts have said, yes, he could be charged. I mean, absolutely. And... uh not only that, if, if I'm not mistaken, just within the last uh, week, this has happened in Boston, where you had, uh, uh, you had a pastor, I think it was, speak out on the issue of homosexuality, and a week or two later, uh, there was some sort of crime that involved a, a homosexual as a victim, and the Human Rights Commission has now brought this pastor before them to see if they can make a connection uh, because of his public comment. Amazing. Now, those of you listening on KCBI, of course, your U.S. Senators are Kay Bailey Hutchison and John Cornyn, both great conservative uh, Republicans on most issues. I think they could probably use a phone call here. And those numbers are 202-224-5922. That's Kay Bailey Hutchison, 202-224-5922. Cornyn, 202-224-2934. We've given up the Capitol switchboard uh, before. You can always call that. Uh, but, Kelly, I want to ask you one other question before the end of the segment here, and that has to do with judicial confirmations. We've talked about this on the program before. It's kind of been on the back burner. But uh, President Bush doesn't have much longer to get uh, some of his judges on the bench, and there's a big battle over one, isn't there? There is. Uh, to be honest, there's a lot of us who are very frustrated uh, that the president is not forcing uh, more nominees into the pipeline to show the obstructionism that's happening. Um, he's running out of time, and there are a number of federal court of appeals positions that that um, uh, are are open uh, and that are even emergency. Uh, and and th- there's no nominations coming up. The average for a president when the opposite party holds the Senate as he his situation, the average is for in the last two years. Uh, for uh, for the uh, president to get uh, really almost one every month, hmm. and uh, instead uh, we have almost nothing happening. Uh, and then Southwick, who you're referencing, 
Uh, it's just ridiculous. You've got a really good judge here with really nothing about his record, but the left wing has decided they want to stop him uh, with really baseless charges, and so they are bottling up him as well as uh, Keisler and, and other uh, good judges. Uh, it's just pure partisanship. Now, the one thing I will say, Penna, is there is uh, you know something to be hopeful about, at least you know for the near term. Uh, one of the nominees to the Federal Court of Appeals is uh, Judge Jennifer Elrod out of Texas, and she has actually been set for this Thursday at 2.30. And so far, there has been no... So will she be heard by the Judiciary Committee? She will, uh uh-huh, this Thursday. And so far, for whatever reason, these kind of, you know, horrendous, ridiculous attacks that you've seen have not been brought out against her. And so, you know, I I would encourage, you know, as fellow Texans, for us to, to pray for Judge Elrod and that she doesn't have to undergo this kind of unfair treatment and these ridiculous attacks and that she does get through, gets confirmed, and we're able to at least make some headway on the uh, Federal Court of Appeals positions that are open. But uh, but you're, so far, you've, you, we've just seen complete obstructionism where the committee will not allow these people out, and therefore the Senate cannot vote, which is exactly what the Constitution requires. Mm-hmm. It requires advice and consent of the Senate, not bottleneck by a handful of partisans uh, on the committee, which is what's happening right now. Well, when you make your call to Senator Cornyn, isn't he on the Judiciary Committee? Maybe he could have he some is. impact there. And in fact, by the way, I was just given a note that Senator Cornyn's office now is officially opposed uh, to the uh, uh, to the to the bad hate crimes amendment. So that's good news. Uh, so when people call, they need to call Senator Cornyn and say thank you, uh, and then of course encourage Senator Hutchinson. And uh, they're they're expecting, uh, from the note I just got, to uh, pull an all-nighter uh, on this. And, uh, mm. and most likely this is going to be later, uh, you know, uh, in the week, uh, maybe even by the time we get to the amendment. So there is time for people to call today, tomorrow. Uh, they just really need to let our both of our senators know at least, you know, where they stand. And, again, Senator Cornyn, if he's, if he's opposed, then they need to thank him. And on Senator Hutchinson, they need to highly encourage her that this is important and that we cannot allow this kind of a so-called hate crimes law giving special class protection and creating all these problems to go into effect. Kelly Shackelford, Free Market Foundation, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Penna. We'll give those senators' phone numbers again uh, next segment. Also, we're going to talk politics. A new poll says Republicans don't like their 2008 presidential choices too well. We'll talk about that and more right after this. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. 
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Al-Qaeda is, uh, would have been a heck of a lot stronger today had we not stayed on the offense. And it's in the interest of the United States to not only defeat them overseas so we don't have to face them here, but also to spread an ideology that will defeat their ideology every time. We're going to talk about that ideology in the next segment with two filmmakers who made a new film about Iraq, what uh, uh, Islam, what the West needs to know about it, and uh, there's a lot there. We'll uh, we'll get into it next segment. But uh, President Bush was speaking to reporters, saying that the administration's efforts to fight terrorists in Iraq and elsewhere have actually helped to undercut al-Qaeda. They're still a threat, says this new intelligence report, to the United States soil. In fact, uh, an attack is likely. And uh, that's just to say something that we really already knew. But there has been some uh, increased chatter, we understand, lately. Well, as Kelly Shackelford said, the Senate is gearing up for an all-nighter on a Democratic proposal to withdraw troops from Iraq. It's a defense authorization bill. It's the same bill the uh, hate crimes legislation uh, is attached to. But there's another amendment, the Levin, Levin, actually the Levin-Reed Amendment to the defense authorization bill says U.S. troop withdrawal must be completed by April 30th, 2008, at which time the U.S. military mission would be limited to counter-terror operations and training of Iraqi security forces basically getting out. Here's a report from Jerry Bodlander on Capitol Hill. Cots will be available nearby during the all-night debate, which Democrats are orchestrating to pressure Republicans who continue to defend the administration's approach. This is Illinois Senator Richard Durbin. Change this war in Iraq and bring it to an end responsibly. Arizona Senator John McCain argued against the withdrawal proposal. Jihadists around the world will interpret the withdrawal as their great victory against our great power. The all-nighter isn't expected to change the bottom line. The Democratic withdrawal proposal is expected to fail. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. Harry Reid, who is the Senate Majority Leader, is demanding that the Republicans not block a vote. They can do so by just not voting for cloture. They need 60 votes to vote cloture, and uh, he wants an up or down vote. That's what he's demanding. Of course, it's just uh, the war opponents continuing to hammer on the Bush administration, trying to undermine the effort. Uh, Really, they think we've lost. They want to lose, and they want to pull out. Uh, Tony Snow, White House Press Secretary, weighed in on this. Uh, He's kind of making a joke about it. He says tonight's debate is a theatrical gesture. The idea of sort of going through the gesture of having a late-night, all-night meeting, you, you think, well, okay, this, this might be kind of interesting, so let's, let's all take it for the spectator event it is. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have comments on it, we'd love to hear from you this segment, 800-881-9270. i got lots uh, to get into the segment, things I want to talk to you about. Uh, one piece of good news, life just got a little safer for late-term unborn children in the state of Louisiana. Because on Friday, their governor, Kathleen Blanco, approved legislation uh, that makes that state the first one to outlaw partial birth abortion since the Supreme Court said that it was okay. They finally upheld the partial birth abortion ban in April. This law, of course, criminalizes that gruesome procedure, which is really infanticide in all cases except to preserve the life of the mother. And in Louisiana, doctors who practice this could be fined between $1,000 and $10,000, face prison terms from between one and 10 years. I'm sure the conservatives and the pro-lifers are happy about this. But speaking of the state of Louisiana, you know, I just hate to bring this up, but uh, when a good conservative politician disappoints us, 
Uh, it really upsets me because he's a great guy on so many issues, David Vitter. Uh, but I don't know if you've, you've probably heard in the news about this D.C. madam, Deborah Jean Palfrey, who uh, in a trial, in a case, is releasing her phone records, and uh, somebody on it was David Vitter. Uh, David Vitter came out when this was released, and he basically said, yes, he dealt with this with his wife. He'd apologized, and this was a bad uh, time in his life. But uh, the interesting part about this is that he won the Senate seat in 2004 that had been held for three terms by Senator John Bro, a Democrat, sort of a conservative Democrat there in Louisiana. He was first elected to the U.S. House of Representatives way back in the 90s. You'll remember this when Congressman... Bob Livingston resigned instead of becoming Speaker of the House to succeed Newt Gingrich. First, we had Newt Gingrich stepping down because of moral problems. Then we had Bob Livingston resigning uh, instead of becoming Speaker because he had actually had an affair, cheated on his wife for many years. He resigned. Then David Vitter's elected. And then during his time in the House, apparently, he cheated on his wife. I guess he's dealt with it with her and apologized. Uh, And then he was elected in 2004, which was a good year for conservatives at the ballot box, to the United States Senate. And that's kind of what bothers me, that this guy, who's a pro-life, pro-family conservative, uh, was actually cheating on his wife during the time he was in Congress, and he wasn't even smart enough to realize that his predecessor in the United States Senate and in Congress, uh, not in the Senate, in, in Congress, was actually, he fell because of this very thing. So you just have to wonder what the folks in Louisiana are thinking right now. Are they thinking that he should continue in office until uh, the end of his term, which is in 2010? Would they reelect him? And what do you think about it? Do you think a United States senator who has basically dealt with his own wife this way is qualified to lead in this very powerful body? in the United States. I'd love to hear from you on this. 1-800-881-9270. I really don't like to talk about the personal lives of these uh, of these folks, especially when they do such a great job on uh, good conservative positions, even biblical positions on things. But I think it's important to talk about it and think about it. Should he stay or should he go? It's a, it's a decision that uh, folks in Louisiana have to make. But I want to know what you would do if you were a citizen of Louisiana. And what do you think about this? Just as a rhetorical question, the number again is 1-800-881-9270. Well, there's an AP poll out and uh, asking Republicans what they think. Who would they choose for president? And uh, it's interesting. It's an, it's an AP Ipsos poll that found that nearly a quarter of Republicans are unwilling to back any of the top-tier hopefuls. Rudy Giuliani, even Fred Thompson, even though he hasn't joined the race yet, they're not willing to uh, back John McCain or Mitt Romney. No one candidate, of course, as we know, has emerged as a clear frontrunner among Christian evangelical, uh, evangelicals. And uh, so if you've got comments on that, we'd love to hear from you. 800-881-9270. Let's go to Jim in San Angelo. Hi, Jim. Thanks for calling. Hi, thanks. How are you this afternoon? Doing great. How are you? Very well, thank you. I guess you're listening uh, on our affiliate, KCRN. Absolutely. Great. We love the radio station here. What is your comment? 
my wife and I called uh, Senator Cornyn. We were quite concerned that he had not come out to publicly oppose the uh, the hate crimes hate bill crimes mm-hmm. amendment. And his office assured us just about 15 minutes ago that he has publicly opposed that amendment. Well, that's wonderful. Oh, I'm very pleased. He'll get my vote again. Well, uh, Kelly Shackelford mentioned that at the at the very end of his conversation. So uh, I think the pressure is working, and I do think uh, that people should continue to call uh, their senators, both Cornyn, if you agree with uh, his uh, opposition to the hate crimes legislation, the hate crimes amendment. Uh, then let him know because he really needs to hear that from you. And then, if you want to, uh, if you want to influence our other Texas senator, Kay Bailey Hutchison, you can. Here's the two phone numbers: Kay Bailey Hutchison's office two zero two 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 four five nine two 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 zero two 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 four five nine two two. John Cornyn, senator from Texas, two zero two 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 four two nine three four. Again, two zero two 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 four two nine. Three, four. Thank you so much for your call, Jim, for that report. Uh, and I, th- I say that uh, people ought to follow the lead of Jim. If they have an opinion on the hate crimes bill, give their senators a call. Donna is in line two. Hey, Donna, thanks for calling. Hi, how are you today? Great, how are you? I'm fine. I was just, I just have a quick comment about the senator from Louisiana. As long as he repents and turns and he's doing a good job, why would that affect his job? I don't think it affects what he's doing. He's doing a great job in the United States Senate. I'm just wondering if people get a little worried when uh, someone who's sort of seen the signs of what happens when you make those wrong moral choices, uh, and also they're married and they've made a commitment to uh, to their spouse, do you think that's a person that's uh, that should be leading a state? I'm not really taking a position right here because it would make me very sad not to support a great uh, Congressman like Vitter, but I've got a real uncomfortable feeling about somebody like that being in the Senate. Uh, Donna, do you have another comment on it? I I think what we do is we think, oh, that would never happen to us. We're so much, you know, better, or we, our beliefs are different. And then when it happens, Mm -hmm. yeah, but you and I aren't asking anybody to put us in the United States Senate. I'm sorry. You and I aren't asking anybody to put us in the Senate. I'm just saying, though, that I, I would hope that everybody would have a forgiving heart. Mm-hmm. Because if it happened to me, I, I would want somebody to hopefully forgive me, especially my spouse. Yeah, and his wife did forgive him. I'm going to take another caller here. Uh, let's go to Brian in Fort Worth. Hi, Brian. Thanks for calling. Uh, Benna, right? Yes. Listen to you for years. Enjoyed, enjoyed you on both your shows. Thank well, listen, you. I, I do have a comment about a. Uh, about this uh, veteran there in, in Louisiana. I mean, I think the guy does a great job, too, and, you know, for, for what we have. I uh, I think we need those kind of people representing us. <clears throat> but, I mean, you know, ethics and morals are really important factors in positions like this. I mean, the one relationship that I personally believe should be, what's the word, it should be most cherished, it should be mm-hmm. most sacred with the marriage the, the, the represent exactly the the, uh, the relationship between a man and a wife now if you can't trust your spouse it's hard to are an individual you know if he can't maintain a relationship with that one individual then i have a real hard time with uh trusting him in other areas especially leading my government at those prime times like we're going through now. very very good point brian that is a perfect point to end the segment with and thank you so much next up we'll talk about islam
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I also want to speak tonight directly to Muslims throughout the world. We respect your faith. It's practiced freely by many millions of Americans and by millions more in countries that America counts as friends. Its teachings are good and peaceful. I want you to understand, I want the world to understand, that our actions today were not aimed against Islam. The faith of hundreds of millions of good, peace-loving people all around the world, including the United States. This is a war against people who, in many ways, pervert what Islam stands for. Islam stands for uh, peace and stands for nonviolence. I've come to realize that Islam is a good religion. It's a good way of life. Do they really believe this stuff? Of course, these are quotes from President Bush, President Clinton, Condoleezza Rice, and Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid saying basically that Islam is a religion of peace. These are all from the movie Islam, What the West Needs to Know. And I think when you combine that with what's in the news right now, uh, we've been talking about this intelligence estimate about uh, a terror attack from al-Qaeda being very likely here in the U.S. Terrorism expert Robert Strang, also CEO of Investigative Management Group, says the U.S. is the top target for al-Qaeda. They made that perfectly clear on September 11, 2001. Uh, they made it perfectly clear the first time they attacked the Trade Center, and they'll try to do it again at some point. That's why it's very, very important for us to understand the motivation behind these attacks. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, about Islam, which, uh, as we've determined in, in many other discussions with guests, it's a prime motivator for terrorism and terrorist attacks. And uh, we need to deal with it in our national security deliberations. With us to discuss this, co-directors of a new movie, Is Islam Itself a Violent Religion? Is the question that it answers the movie is called Islam, What the West Needs to Know. And with us now are Gregory Davis and Brian Daly. And Gregory, first I'll say hi to you. Hi, thanks for having us on. Thank you for joining me. And hi, Brian. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Gregory, to talk about the need for a movie like this. When you hear these leaders of the United States of America with this PC description of what Islam is, it worries me. Yes, uh, it worries us as well, and it should. Um, really, I think Western leaders uh, from across the political spectrum, Democrat, Republican, uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, are really projecting onto the Islamic world their own hopes and aspirations to live in peace with the rest of the world and to pursue, basically, uh, their private lives. Uh, that's how we see most Westerners, and I think that's generally a fair assumption. Um, but... Islam is not of a Western tradition. It is decidedly outside a Western tradition. And so to impose our own uh, Western biases on it is to miss the point entirely. We tend to think in the West that religion and secular politics are distinct, uh, are separate in the most important sense. But Islam has never understood that. And really the most important thing that the West has to understand about Islam is it is not simply a personal faith or an interior creed. 
um, but it is primarily a system of government, uh, Islamic law, which is ordained by Allah in the Quran and through the example of his prophet Muhammad to comprehend the world. Um, in Islam, man is not the lawgiver. There's only one legitimate lawgiver, and that is God himself. And so any society um, which does not submit, Islam means submission, that does not submit to the rule of Islamic law is in a state of rebellion and must be brought to submit by force. All right. Um Gregory Davis and Brian Daly are my guests. Uh, Their new documentary is Islam, What the West Needs to Know. And Gregory, uh, let me ask you, is Islam itself a violent religion? Yes, it is. And just as I say, it's primarily a system of government. And any system of government, any set of laws, as we know, um, must be enforced at some point with force. And so the idea that Islam can be pacific is uh, really illogical because it's a system of government. Furthermore, there are specific injunctions in the Quran and in the example of Muhammad which uh, testify to the necessity um, to commit violence on the part of the Muslim collective, the Ummah, to commit violence uh, to bring Islamic rule to the world. There's absolutely no question about it once you look at the sources themselves. Okay, um, Brian, let me ask you this, because I noticed that even this week at the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C., there are some Muslim figures there uh, who are speaking. Uh, they're uh, condemning violent tactics, uh, the violent tactics of, of what they're calling Islamists. And they're disputing that Muhammad would call for jihad against non-Muslims in the West. Now, the question I have for you, since you've studied this and you've made this movie, is, is that possible to do? Is there such a thing as a peaceful, moderate Muslim? Not from the Islamic perspective, no. Uh, Muhammad himself called for the conquest of the world, and he sent out messages to the empires of his own time, uh, telling them to convert to Islam, and they will be safe. Those who did not were attacked and conquered. Uh, this is the same message that Bin Laden begins his public professions with. He invites everyone to convert to Islam, and if we do, we will be safe. And that, that is correct. If we convert and join the jihad, we will no longer be under attack. Uh, but otherwise, there is an obligation from Allah, that, that's commanded from Allah to Muslims to specifically conquer Jews and Christians and force them to pay a protection tax, the jizya, uh, and to, quote, feel themselves subdued. And it's this order that persists for all times in Islam that is the cause, the primary motive uh, and inspiration for the violence we see around the world today. Brian, what is your background uh, to be able to put together a movie like this? Um, myself and Greg Davis had made Islam the focus of our studies the last four years, uh, and as well as, as taking you know, classes in, on how to make movies. Mm-hmm. Um, my background in, in the university uh, was philosophy and history. Uh, and it was studying the primary text of Islam that allowed us to get out of the minutia of misinformation and distorted information that regularly makes it very confusing to get a handle on what's going on today. 
Some of the folks uh, speaking in this movie are people that we have had on this program to help us to understand Islam. For instance, Robert Spencer. Uh, For instance, Serge Trifkovic we've had on uh, several times. For instance, former terrorist Valid uh, Shubat. We've had all these people on the program, but they're all in your video. And uh, Greg, tell us uh, how people can get the video and why you think it's important that lots of people get it. Uh, Well, the documentary is on DVD. Um, you could get it at Amazon.com and various other online sites like Barnes & Noble. Uh, we have a website called WhatTheWestNeedsToKnow.com, and that will take you uh, to information on the movie and also uh, where to get the DVD. Um, but I think it's, uh, it's very, very important because we are seeing really the resurgence of Islam and Islamic Jihad across the world today. Uh, certainly, we're familiar in this country with specific acts of terrorism, Um, but really just about every significant conflict in the world today, whether civil or or international, has something to do with Islam. Uh, We hear a lot about Sudan. Uh, Well, that is substantially an Islamic jihad. Uh, The breakup of the former Yugoslavia involved uh, Muslim Bosnia and the jihad there, jihadists coming from all around the world, fighting in Europe. Uh, the massacre at Beslan in Chechnya, where 300 people were killed, 150 schoolchildren, was uh, part of a Muslim jihad, Chechnya trying to break away from Christian Russia. Um, we have uh, wars in Kashmir, India, Thailand, the Philippines. It's usually not pointed out that all of these have a Muslim component, and mm-hmm. the uh, instigators of these wars uh, are jihadists. And so we are seeing really a change on a global scale, the return of Islam uh, to a situation more reminiscent of uh, several hundred years ago, when in fact Islam dominated uh, three continents, both uh, Europe, Africa, and Asia, and threatened numerous times um, to get the better of Europe and really to overwhelm Europe. And it's not happening now in the form of huge Muslim armies. Uh, the way it did back in the 8th century and the 17th century and in the time in between. But in Europe, we are seeing the progressive Islamization of its major cities such that we have, in fact, little Islamic states already operating in the major European cities uh, where Sharia law, Islamic law, is effectively imposed by the Muslim populations of those areas. Did we see that? You know, I have so many questions to ask you guys. Um, I wonder if you could hold over for another segment. Sure. Great. Because I want to ask you, uh, could we see, are there forces in the U.S. that want to see Sharia law in various parts of the country? I also want to ask you about the, um, the wisdom of a Palestinian state within Israel, which President Bush is advocating for this week. And uh, also about these doctors uh, that fomented this, these failed attacks in uh, London and, and Glasgow. And uh, just, you know, all of this really fits in, I think, to the need to understand Islam. And uh, you've done a great, uh, a great service, I think, in making this movie. So uh, I'm glad that you're going to stay with us. And ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to weigh in or ask a question, give us a call, 800-881-9270. I'm Penna Dexter, and this is Jerry Johnson Live. Stay with us.
If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I will call together an international meeting this fall of representatives from nations that support a two-state solution, reject violence, recognize Israel's right to exist, and commit to all previous agreements between the parties. That's President Bush speaking to reporters yesterday at the White House. He pledged more than $190 million in U.S. aid to Palestinians, to Fatah, uh, the so-called moderate party there in Gaza, the party of Arafat. Uh, of course, Hamas uh, was the party in control, and uh, they sort of overstepped their boundaries a little bit. The U.S. is uh, trying now to undergird Fatah also. Uh, really uh, Muslim-led party. And uh, it's just interesting that he's supporting this two-state solution, this Palestinian state, uh, when you have so much terrorism, uh, so many terrorist attacks, suicide bombers in that area of the country. President Bush said it's crucial to support moderates in their battle with radicals and terrorists in the Middle East. In Gaza and the West Bank and beyond, the international community must stand with the brave men and women we're working for peace. He talked about forces of moderation, and uh, you got to wonder about those forces of moderation. Is that Israel or is that these uh, so-called moderate Muslims? So with me to talk about this and other aspects of Islam, Gregory Davis and Brian Daly, uh, they are the co-directors of the new documentary, Islam, What the West Needs to do- Know. It's on DVD. And uh, let me go to you, Gregory. Is this a good idea to have a Palestinian state right in the middle of Israel? Well, any properly Muslim state, uh, any Islamic state, is by definition going to be an enemy of any other non-Islamic state. And while Islamic states may ally temporarily with various other states, as, for example, Saudi Arabia has uh, supposedly allied with the United States, the long-term situation between the Islamic world and the non-Islamic world is warfare. And so, basically, now I think we have a jihadist non-state in the Palestinian territories, and if they became a state, then we'd have a jihadist state. Uh, so needless to say, uh, the world doesn't need another one of those. You know, I find it interesting, Brian, uh, that all of a sudden the United—it's not all of a sudden, this has been during uh, most of President Bush's administration— that there would be talk about a Palestinian state when uh, Yasser Arafat was offered this, walked away from it, and uh, 
violence increased dramatically, suicide bombings and attacks. Uh, why don't we learn from history? Well, it, it's a difficult lesson, I think, for the West to learn that there is an implacable demand from the Islamic side to rule uh, what is called the Dar al-Islam, the, the, the land of Islam. Any, any territory once ruled by Islam must return to that rule. Uh, the rest of the world is considered the Dal al-Harb, the house of war, uh, which we would be included in, and certainly Israel is included in that. The idea of a, a non-Islamic state in Islamic lands is blasphemous to uh, the Muslim, and they are obligated to fight to overturn that rule. Uh, so it is rather quixotic to think that uh, any leader, Palestinian or otherwise, could bring about a, a secular rule uh, in that region without being under life-threatening pressure to conquer uh, Israel. This is what the Charlotte Observer says about this uh, new DVD, Islam, What the West Needs to Know. If their central thesis is true, I was talking about these two gentlemen that are uh, with us tonight. If their central thesis is true and it's worth considering, then this is the most horrific film of the 21st century so far. What do you say to that, uh, Gregory? Well, uh, we are thankful for uh, for their praise. Um, and certainly I think this issue is, uh, could well be the seminal issue of the 21st century. In the 20th century, we had other kinds of totalitarianism, communism, and national socialism. And really now what we're seeing in the 21st century with the demise of the Soviet Union uh, and the increasing oil revenues available to the Muslim world, we are seeing a resurgence of what is probably the oldest form of totalitarianism, uh, the original totalitarianism in many ways, uh, which is Islam. Um, and because the West uh, has such a difficulty grasping the real nature of Islam, that actually, yes, there can be people in the world who will fight and kill for their God uh, and will do so until such time that the world itself is in their possession. Um, the West cannot rouse itself to action. And even though the West now is much stronger in the Islamic world, technologically and better organized and so on, uh, it seems to lack the will to survive and the awareness, really, that it is under attack. But I think uh, in the 21st century, we could see, uh, certainly as, as the trajectory of things indicates now, we could see large portions of the West uh, fall into Dar al-Islam, uh, in Europe in particular, with the growing number of Muslims there and the persistent appeasement of those governments of ever-increasing Muslim demand. Let me ask you about the attacks, uh, or the aborted attacks, uh, the failed attacks that just occurred in London and also in Scotland at the airport. And, you know, there was a myth out there, and I know you debunk a lot of myths in this DVD, that uh, the... Islam, Islamic terrorists are that way because they don't have civil liberties, because they're poor, because they have a bad life. Well, this is sort of debunked in the fact that eight of the uh, guys accused of this were doctors. So it's not, uh, it's not because of their plight in life. It's because of their religion, isn't it, Gregory? Well, yeah, I think that's right. We shouldn't be surprised that uh, supposedly well-to-do Orthodox Muslims um, are waging jihad. Uh, you look at someone like Osama bin Laden. He's a multimillionaire many times over. Uh, he's a poet. He has a large family. 
everybody who's ever met him, including Infidel, says he's charming and polite. And, of course, he's working very, very hard to kill as many Americans as possible. And these things do go together. And, in fact, um, Muhammad himself is a good example. He, too, seemed to be a uh, often courteous uh, man in private, very pious. He prayed a lot. And, of course, he killed many, many people uh, in the name of his religion, both in battle uh, and in other circumstances. So the idea of reducing this problem to poverty or civil rights or something like that is, uh, is a chimera. Uh, it is Western thinking applied to something which is not Western at all. Um, we need to understand that any Orthodox Muslim uh, can awaken to the call of jihad. Uh, and when you look at those who have committed acts of terrorism in the name of Islam, invariably they are the most religious, the most pious Muslims. They are never, quote-unquote, moderate Muslims, people who didn't go to mosque, people mm. who didn't pray. They are invariably the ones who are taking their religion the most seriously. If you want to know more, ladies and gentlemen, I've got, to, I've got to let you guys go. I thank you for staying with me. If you want to know more, get this DVD, Islam, What the West Needs to Know. Greg Davis, Brian Daly, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Ladies thank and gentlemen, you. it's a religion we need to understand. Uh, it's a religion that drives an ideology and drives a policy It's evil, and we need to understand it. Join us tomorrow for Jerry Johnson Live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.